0: Happy Easter! Welcome to Grace, I'm Pastor Ryan. Today is the celebration of our Lord's triumph over the grave, and as the first fruits of the resurrection, He is for us our hope. However, there are many in our world today who have already written off Jesus as a silly story or a vague historical figure with little interest, but this wasn't the case for the disciples. Having seen Jesus crucified, Their witness on this Easter morning of the resurrection was the undeniable sign of Jesus' divinity and thereby the trustworthiness and veracity of his claims and promises. Today, we will look at the last sign Jesus gives to the religious leaders who have already made up their minds about who Jesus is as he offers them in vindication of his messiahship, the sign of Jonah. Thanks for listening. Here it is. Jesus is alive, church. He's alive. And for those who knew him best, this is the world's greatest surprise. (coughs) Never had anybody risen from the dead in a glorified state. And no doubt, as we run across the encounters through... The New Testament accounts of Jesus encountering his disciples. They'd never seen a glorified man before, and so many of them didn't know even who they were looking at. Mary herself, not until Jesus says her name, Mary, does she realize that it is Jesus. Because it is the world's greatest surprise. We're in a series here at Grace that's endeavoring to look at the Old Testament Pictures, portraits of who Jesus is, such that we would better understand our Savior. And our key passage, as we have been throughout this series, is actually found in Luke's Gospel. I, I want to just uh, remind you of it, and if this is your first time here, to let you know what it is that we're studying. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus is there on the road and he's, he's catching up with two of the disciples who are walking to Emmaus. In Luke 24, verse 25, he says to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe! That all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures con- concerning himself. Can you imagine that? How amazing would that have been to actually have been there with Jesus and had him start to go through the teachings of Moses, go through the prophets and show in every little way in which Jesus has fulfilled the law as to how he is the Messiah that was prophesied for Israel and now for the whole world. Amazing. But there's something else in this text that's a little peculiar, which is even up to this point, they still didn't recognize him. They were still waiting to be surprised. So let me continue in Luke 24. It verse says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted if he was going on further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Can you imagine that moment? I don't know how it goes in, in your house, or maybe if you're like this at all, but um, every now and then, if I'm walking into a room, apparently, I have very quiet footsteps. And my wife doesn't know I'm there, but when she does, she she makes this sound. <gasps> Anybody else know what that's like? <gasps> that's this moment. That, that's this moment of being with Jesus. And there, he gives thanks. He breaks the bread, gives it to them, and... <gasps> They see it. Their eyes are open. He's alive. This is the world's greatest surprise. Something happens right after this. The text says, and then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? As he opened the scriptures to us, they got up. Watch this now. They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, What's up, guys? How you doing? Is that know what, what? What? Check this out. Now they have their eyes open. They see the surprise, and immediately, what do they do? They go tell the story. It's, that's immediately what they do. They share the news of this amazing, earth-shaking, never-before-seen event. Jesus is alive. They say it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told us what had happened on the way and how Jesus. Recognized by them when he broke bread. In verse 36, however, you'll see that not everyone's convinced. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. Watch this. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Look, Maybe a little insulting for Jesus, right? Not a ghost. Guys, it's me. And in in order to help persuade them, look at what Jesus says next. He says, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and blood as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, they still didn't he said, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it in their presence, I suspect, to show them, look, ghosts don't eat your food, right? I'm here. It's really me. They couldn't believe it. Why? Because it is the world's greatest surprise. Now, as I walk through this text, I I just am, I mean, I'm overjoyed by it. I, I recognize maybe my own tendencies to just... Think the worst. Anybody, any pessimist in church today? Anybody always thinking it's going to go the wrong way all the time, right? And um, which which is the Winnie the Pooh character that's always sad? Which one is it? Yeah, a couple of, I mean, anybody like that? I, I suspect having witnessed the crucifixion, having all of your expectations for what you thought Messiah was going to be dashed there as he is now lifeless. Yeah, I can imagine being a little pessimistic. But Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. One of the things that troubles me in our world today is that you can can really get frustrated quickly by telling people the good news. You can share with them and witness to them the impact of Jesus in your life. But what I have found is that there isn't really any measure of argument that can convince people. Because you know something? People have already made up their mind for the most part. For the most part, people have already decided what it is that they are going to believe. You show them evidence. You can show them proof. I mean, there you saw it, right? Jesus himself touch me and see. And they're like, I don't know if I believe it. Because we tend to be those type of people who have already, we've already concluded what we will. We've already made up our minds. Uh, this this past week we had some beautiful weather right it's about time we got some beautiful weather here and um we have a pile of snow over uh, by my mom's next to a shed and it all melted because that's what snow does and it flooded the shed and so i went over um a couple of times and we bought this you know cheap pump to pump it all out and i'm telling you this pump just was not working at all my mom made the suggestion she had this this pipe, this inch and a half pipe, she, she said, do you think you could hook that up? And of course, I know there's no threading on it. It's not going to work. So immediately, I made up my mind that it wasn't going to work. <laughs> and I stuck the garden hose on it instead. I'm telling you, I was over there yesterday uh, for four hours waiting for this thing to drain. And it just wasn't draining. wasn't draining. And I got so frustrated because I just said, it's, it's done. This isn't going to work. I made up my mind. I shut everything down. But then I saw that pipe out of the corner of my eye. And I thought, you know what? Since I'm out here anyways, I'll just get some duct tape out. Because duct tape fixes everything, right? <laughs> so I unhooked the hose. I put this inch and a half pipe up. And it was unbelievable. The, the water drained out in less than two minutes. <laughs> I had been up there for hours. Waiting for this tiny little garden hose, but it was it was such a constriction. It was so narrow. The pump wasn't pushing it through this giant garden hose. This short little pipe. It drained the whole thing in two minutes. It was humbling for me. It was a reminder exactly how we would approach Jesus. Because there are people in our world today that you can testify to them. I am not the same. I am not what I used to be. The love of Jesus Christ has touched my heart, and His Spirit now lives in me. I have been transformed. And they will say, Yeah, good for you. (laughs) It's it's just not for me. And and I'm not convinced. Why? Because people have already decided what they're going to believe. We, We actually have an indictment by Jesus to the Jewish people because they continually wanted Jesus to prove himself. They would say this Show us a sign. Prove yourself. Let me see a sign. That you are who you say you are. The truth is, they had already made up their mind. And I don't know if that's you this morning. I don't know if for you, Easter is the time where you might come to church. But you know what? In reality, I've kind of already made up my mind. I'll sit through the sermon. And it's fun to be here with everybody. But when it comes to really turning my life over to Christ, I would make Him the Lord of my life. I, I, I just don't know. I, I maybe have already made up my mind. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to look and to see with Maybe a new sense of clarity, the words of Jesus as he speaks to the crowds. Uh, As we've been in this series looking to the picture of Jesus in the Old Testament, this morning uh, we're going to look at Jesus and the sign of Jonah. And to do so, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 12. And what we're going to do is read uh, just a couple of verses as Jesus speaks to the religious leaders of his day. And then we're going to go and take a look at the story of Jonah and answer just some very short questions um, followed by an opportunity for us to be participating together in the community witness of what God has done. Matthew chapter 12. It's on page 1516 in the Pew Bibles if you're looking for it. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start in in verse 38. Matthew writes, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Verse 41, The men of Nineveh, Jesus says, will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. Now, you, you all know the story of Jonah, right? A prophet who wasn't all up to his muster. He really did not want to obey God because for him, precisely the message that he was supposed to give the Assyrians, who were the arch enemies of the Israelites, was a message of grace. And he knew that God, well, it was a message of judgment, but he knew God was gracious. So he was going to come and offer the message, but he was afraid (coughs) that God would forgive them. And so rather than go to Nineveh, you guys know the story. What does he do? this prophet turns tail the other way and hightails it to the east on a ship. And there on the ship with all these sailors, he's asleep and the storm is beating and, and they say, we're, we're all going to die. And he says, well, I, uh, I know the God who made the land and the sea. And they say, well, your God could help us then. Jonah's idea was throw me overboard. I believe for Jonah, this was the ultimate way for him to get out of his assignment, right? right? <laughs> Be done with this whole thing. God in his graciousness the text says allowed a great fish to come and swallow him and there in the belly of the fish Jonah prays and, and what I want to examine is what happens after that if you have Bibles turn to Jonah it's a tr- it's a tricky little book to find in in the minor prophets uh, page 1361 on my Bible but I'm pretty sure that's not the right page that you've got 1437 I'm told 1437 Jonah chapter 3 just it's a very short little chapter. I want you to see what happens as Jonah, out of the belly of the fish, now goes to Nineveh. Jonah chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was an important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with the sackcloth and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast herd or flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw... What they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. That's there it is. Chapter three. That's the story. What I want us to do is examine a couple of crucial questions, because I believe what they'll do is they'll help us to understand what exactly Jesus is saying. When when the crowds come and they're like, hey, show us a sign. Right. And Jesus says, a wicked and adulterous generation, you will not be given one except the sign of Jonah. So, a couple of questions. First off, surprise, why did the Ninevites repent? You ever, ever wonder that? What, why did they actually change? I want to submit to you, I don't think it was Jonah's preaching. You have, if you're still in Jonah 3, look at what Jonah said. I have it here on the screen. Jonah began going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. That's his whole sermon. And the whole town repented. Maybe my sermons are too long. Maybe this is the key, right? One-sentence sermons, right? Repent. Let's pray. Here you actually have this tiny sentence. In fact, in Hebrew, it's only five words long. And what do they do? They respond and they repent. I want to submit to you, it's not because of this. It's because of the sign. And so what I want to show you here is that it was, and so this is Jonah, the prophet raised from the depths out of the sea ought to be listened to. Can you imagine that? If a prophet showed up and said he was swallowed by a fish, you would listen to this guy, right? If he just showed up and and recounted everything that happened, whatever the message this guy had to say, I guarantee you, you would listen to him. So this is exactly uh, what we see happening. Um, in Luke's gospel, you will see uh, that Jesus recounts the same story as he does in Matthew. But he, he, he says something I think is very crucial. He says, as, uh, uh, for, for as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. I want you to note, it, it's not a sermon. Jonah himself was the sign. Because a prophet who rose from the depths of the sea... Spit out by a fish? That's a kind of sign that you and I would need to pay attention to. Um, For Jesus, the Savior raised from the dead out of the tomb, ought to be listened to. Amen? Amen. Uh, You know why people don't today, though, right? Because they've already made up their minds. But if Jesus rose from the grave, we ought to listen to him. In fact, Jesus tells a parable, really, really one. You may be uh, really great one. You may be familiar with it. Uh, it's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. You, you guys heard this, right? The, the rich guy had everything he wanted. Lazarus had nothing. Sick, and then both of them die. Uh, Lazarus himself finds himself comforted at the bosom of Abraham, there with his people. But the rich man is being tormented in Hades. And this story unfolds, and the, the end of it. I'm going to spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you how it ends. Um, The way it ends up here is that the the rich man says towards Abraham, look, would you please go and warn my family so they can avoid this torment? But Jesus says in this parable these words. He says, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be convinced even if someone (coughs) rises from the dead. That's how the parable ends. Why? Because here's the underlying truth behind it all. People believe what they want to believe. And for many of us, they've already made up their mind. And so a prophet from the depths should be listened to, and he was. And the way we see that is because the Ninevites' hearts were softened. You actually have this repeated in both Gospels. Jesus says, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented. Did you catch the story in Jonah? You you probably missed this part. I just want to read it to you again. I'm in Jonah 3. Um, this is the king's decree. Check this out now. And you see how severe these people are. He said, by the decree of the king and the nobles, don't let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. So I get it. Like the people aren't going to eat or drink, right? They're fasting. But they're not even letting their animals eat or drink. He goes on to say this. let, But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. You know how seriously they repented? It wasn't just the people. It was the people and their cows and their chickens. It was, it was all of their livestock. They, they were repenting all as one. This is the indictment from Jesus. Because he says there's one greater than Jonah Heshawah. The Ninevites, they repented, but you haven't. And so this is what we see happening. Uh, the Jewish hearts are actually hardened. And we see this as Jesus started out saying in the beginning of the story. Um, the Pharisees' teacher of the law said, we want to see a sign. He answered, you are a wicked and adulterous generation. You ask for a sign, but one won't be given to you. Uh, their, their response was not to pay attention. So this is where the idea of the sign of Jonah comes from. So let's ask that question. Surprise, what is it? What, what is the sign of Jonah? Well, for Jonah, the sign of Jonah in his day was Jonah being vomited from a fish after three days. That's what it was. That was the sign. And guess what? The Ninevites, they paid attention. Uh, again, you would listen if somebody came having been raised from the depths. Uh, we have the story again in Jonah. I want to point something out to you here. In Jonah 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. But check this out the city's very large. It took how many days to go through it? Yeah, so for, for Jonah to preach this whole thing would take him how many days? would take him three days. It says on the first day, right? He, he goes a day's journey into the city. He preaches his little sermon. Everybody knows that here's this prophet came from a fish. And that's all it took for word to spread. That's all it took. The sign for the people was a prophet who was delivered from death. After three days in the belly of the heart of the sea. That was the sign. And because that sign was so compelling, did Jonah have to preach his other two days? took him one day, and the word spread. In fact, look what the text says. It spread from the greatest to the least. And finally, Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh. The Ninevites paid attention. The sign of Jonah in Jesus' day is that Jesus will be resurrected after three days. That's the sign. We ought to Listen. To what this Jesus has to say. The sign that God gives is one that's indisputable. You can't argue. He's here. I don't believe it. He's a ghost. Guys, I ain't a ghost. Look, I'm real. You can't get around it. Jesus is risen. And because of that, that is the sign that is offered to them. So what do the religious leaders do? What do you suppose they do? They ignore In fact, we have repeated again in Matthew 16 the same account that Jesus is going to offer them the sign of Jonah. This is what he says in Matthew 16. Uh, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, watch this now. When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy. You guys ever heard that before? Red at night. Sailor's delight, red in the morning, sailors take... You all know this one? So so Jesus is saying, you you guys know that. You can read that. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. You, You know what they're doing? They're ignoring the evidence. Why? Because what have they done? They've already made up their minds. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except... The sign of Jonah, and then Jesus left them. So the religious leaders, they ignore the sign. Again, I, want you to, I don't want you to leave church today saying, what was the sign again? Look, the sign in Jonah's day was a prophet raised from the sea. The sign that Jesus is going to give of the authority that you need to listen to him. I don't care what you've made up in your mind. You got to deal with Jesus is that he is not in the grave. The tomb is empty, folks. It's empty. And so that's the sign that we need to pay attention to. All right, one last question. Surprise. What was the response? So the surprise of a prophet raised out of the depths of the sea was a story worth telling. And so what do the Ninevites do? They tell everybody. They tell everybody. In fact, a three days journey, he was only there for one of them. They're the ones who spread the story. Here it is. The Ninevites believe God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Everybody heard And it finally reached the the king because the Ninevites shared the story. So what about Jesus then? The surprise of a savior raised from the dead out of the tomb is what? Oh, say this with me now. What is it? It's a story worth telling. You believe that? I hope you believe that. Do you know the Apostle Paul believed this above all things when it came to the core of what the gospel message was? This was at the centerpiece of it. We have this recorded in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen, listen to Paul now. He says, Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which I received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you believe in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as to first importance. So here it is. You ready? Well, what is it, Paul? Well, what's this gospel that you've been preaching everywhere? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. And then what? That he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. The surprise of a Savior raised from the dead out of the tomb is a story worth telling. So what did the Jewish authorities do, right? There it is. That was the sign given to them. And what do they do? It gets a little dark here, folks. I'll be honest with you. They lie. They bribe and they deny. I actually want you to turn to the text. So turn with me to, um, I think it's Matthew 28, the end of the chapter, end of the book, end of the gospel of Matthew. And I actually am going to, I believe I have to ha- have you turn to Luke 24. I, I, I have the, I have the long, wrong one written down here. Luke 24 is where, where you want to turn to. Luke 24. You know, that's not right either. I, I'm going to find it here, folks. <laughs> this is all part of my plan. I just want you to know. This is, it is Matthew 28. I, I had myself confused here. My apologies. Matthew 28. I have it up here on the screen, but it's, it's tiny font. I prefer that you read it. Matthew 28. The, the, what, what I'm wanting to show you here is what is the response of the Jewish authorities? Because they should have caught the sign. They should have paid attention to it let's see and examine what it was. Matthew 28, starting in verse 11, is where we're going to be. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. Everybody with me, right? Jesus raised from the dead. There are witnesses of it. And so let's go tell the authorities. I mean, exactly what Jesus said was going to happen, happened. Verse 12, when the chief priests had met with the elders... And devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. Now, let let me just break that down for you because that's a lot. And for a soldier to say that in the Roman army meant they would be killed. Not they would be fired. They would be killed. Wait a minute. Time out. What? Let me get this straight. What you want us to say is that these wimpy disciples overtook us in the middle of the night while we slept on the job? Yeah, that's it. That's what we want you to say. Here's a big chunk of money. Look what happens. They say if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him. Does everybody know what that means? right? If your boss finds out, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And keep you out of trouble. Verse 15, so the soldiers took the money. And they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated to the Jews even through this day. People will believe what they're going to believe, folks. They're going to believe. The sign of Jonah is one that you cannot deny. And Jesus gives the sign right in kind. Three days. Surprise! (laughs) Surprise! I kind of, um, this is this is not part of my notes here, but you know, he's coming again, folks. Do you know that? Um, when my kids get together with some other friends, one game that they love to play that they don't need electricity for or a screen for is hide and seek. Hide and seek's a great game, right? Because there you're counting, right? And when you get to the end, what do they say? Ready or not, here I come. And it's kind of fun when you're hiding, too, because you know and you can hear them and then it's, They find you, and it's kind of like a surprise. You might not have been expecting it. Look, the disciples, nobody was expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. Ready or not? And, folks, that's going to happen again one day. That will happen again. Jesus is returning. He didn't tell us the day, he didn't tell us the hour. We'd been lazy if he had. He said, You be ready always. You keep the lights on always. You keep watching for the Master to return. Always, because if the thief had told you when he was gonna come, you would have been ready. So be ready. Because ready or not, Jesus is coming. The Jewish authorities, they they lied and then they bribed and then they deceived. However, there's one more story, and this time I do want you to turn to Luke twenty four. One more story. One more response. In Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. It's just not enough for me to read that. Can you picture that in your mind? Can you imagine that moment? These ladies are hiking from I don't know how many miles. Sabbath just ended. And so early in the morning, why do you go early? Because I can't sleep. That's why I'm still in grief over this. My my Jesus has died. And so we want to go say goodbye one more time. And so they carry everything to give them a proper burial. And then from a distance, you can imagine one of them looking saying, do you see that? Oh, it's open. It's not open. And they squint and they look. It is open. Can you imagine how they start? I mean, you would just start to. You'd get nervous. I don't know what's going on. And as they approach and get closer, looking for the body, the body is gone. Watch what happens. Verse 4. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Um, if, they, if they had arc welders back in the day, that's what it would say. Gleamed like an arc welder, like lightning. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, and this isn't recorded, but I think, surprise! I think that was in there. It's not, it's not recorded in my Bible, but I suspect that was, they were tempted to say it anyways. Watch what they say. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, Watch what they do. They told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Jonah, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. What do they do with the story? They tell the story. It's a story worth telling. But again, not everybody believes because a lot of people already make up their mind. So verse 11 says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them Like nonsense. And so this is my challenge to you on Easter. You know this story, right? Is it compelling enough for you to tell? Is it? If Jesus is really alive, then that means he is working in your life. That means you have a story. So this is what I want to ask of you. How has God surprised you? Folks, we need to be reminded of God's surprises. You know that? You need to be reminded of how God works amongst his people. Anybody going through a hard time? Anybody? Y'all going through no hard times here in church? Yeah. You, You know what you need when you're going through a hard time? You need to hear how God is alive. That's what you need to hear. Because he has promised to be with you. And sometimes it really hurts. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes all you have are tears, all you have are dark, dark, doubts and sorrow. But when you hear of the surprise of God in the lives of the rest, you know what that does to your heart? It gives you encouragement and it gives you joy.